Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am Joe Mobley, your host. And tonight we're going to talk to uh, another man in the arena. Um, and I, you guys know that I love talking to people that are making things happen. They're not just running their mouths. They're running for office. They're serving their country. And our guest tonight uh, is one of those guys. Luke, how are you? Hello. Hey, good to be here, Joe. Dude, it just flipped us. I don't know how I this saw is that. like <laughs> why why did computers computers, you know, whoever the tech oligarchs are, I know you're listening. Uh why? <laughs> why? Anyway, I'm not gonna try and fix that. Uh I know who you are and kind of what you do, but our listeners just might not. So tell us, you know, who is Luke Negron? What have you been up to? Absolutely. So my story kind of goes back to uh, college where I had always been passionate about politics and social leadership. Um, In college, I was involved with uh, a lot of some things that you and I were just talking about before the show, some organizations fighting against human trafficking, IJM. Um, I was a poli-sci national security um, and communications uh, studier in in my time at Grove City College. So those are things I gave my uh, time towards. And then I also campaigned a lot with people. I was part of local government, part of some national campaigns um, and some grassroots or political organizations. And that carried me through to when I ran for Congress and I became the Republican nominee in Pennsylvania's 18th district against uh, Mike Doyle and ran there in the 2020 election cycle. Uh, also along the way, I, I have served in the, in the U.S. Air Force. I'm uh, five years into or almost five years into to a six year contract there. And uh, and that leads me to where I am now, kind of trying to stay active, as you said, stay in the arena, keep keep uh, not only speaking out, but also doing things, producing things that will help people, organizations, raising money where it's necessary, bringing awareness where it's necessary uh, and and being part of my neighborhood and my community. I think that's a big thing everybody can do. So that's kind of an overview of, of who I am and, and what my passion is and, and what I do. Awesome. So it is, I don't even know what day it is. What day is it? It's August 19th. Um, Thursday, right? Lots, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Thursday. Uh, lots of, you know, just frankly, lots of conservatives uh, watching this show. We we got to talk. We got to touch on Afghanistan. So absolutely, things are going absolutely nuts. I'm probably one of the only vets. I served for 11 years. I have zero deployments. I was supposed to go to the sandbox. Uh, my only LOD I got in training at Fort Campbell for a deployment that got scrubbed, and then there were there were some scandals going on in the army that went up my chain up to our adjutant. Uh, so they actually just scrubbed. The, they didn't scrub those missions. They pushed them off on someone else. I think, right? You know, eighty right. second or someone got that some call. You guys something. are deploying in ten days. <laughs> uh, so Classic. just. You know, what What are your thoughts? There are so many people pulling uh, the narrative in so many directions. I heard Dan Crenshaw's comments on, on Shapiro's show the other day. Um, the State Department's putting out the White House. Is, the White House is putting out interesting stuff, it seems. Uh, but, you know, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on Afghanistan. I agree, man. So uh, I, I think that let's start with the White House and the media, the mainstream media. I think that both of them are are failing the American people right now, not telling the full story. 
Uh, they're not being honest. And in the White House's case, and to a lesser extent, the media, they're not leading, uh, as is part of their job. Uh, I know that we, we maybe as conservatives don't like to admit it, but there is an element of leadership that's supposed to come with the media. And sadly, they've been leading uh, people down the, the wrong direction of deception. So what we have Joe Biden, you know, blaming everyone, uh, outright lying, saying that people aren't dying in Afghanistan. We have the media not showing the full story, which is a lot of violence going on, which is uh, uh, Christians and Americans being targeted, uh, being threatened in Afghanistan. And I think then after that kind of overview uh, of how I feel towards those two, uh, those two groups, uh, we need to rewind the clock and look at what happened. So one of the biggest defenses that we see coming from the left is, well, Donald Trump is the one who first said we should pull out of Afghanistan. As a matter of fact, he started taking some troops out before he left office. That's true. But it is one of the most uh, disingenuous and weak defenses for what we see happening that could ever that, that could ever exist. So a, a good example I, I'd give to, to you, Joe, and to, to the listeners is if you and I agree that we should build a house and I'm in charge and I say, hey, I think we should build a house. And Joe says, yeah, we should build a house. And then I get voted out of being in charge and Joe comes into to be in charge. And he builds a garbage house, just a terrible house, and it collapses and, and hurts a bunch of people and, and kills the inhabitants. Well, it's not an excuse then to say, well, Luke is the first one who said we should build a house. No, no, you're the one in charge now. We agree that we should build a house, but how you build it matters. And if you're the one in charge, you're where the buck stops, right? So um, that's the, the house building in that analogy, obviously, is, is getting the troops out of Afghanistan. I agree we should get out of Af Afghanistan. But how you get out, how it's organized, what the timeline and security looks like, that's all on the current leadership. So their excuses to me um, are, are completely, completely illegitimate. Yeah. Biden came out in the beginning and said, I, I was bound by this agreement. Total baloney. One, Trump, he had the conditions, you know, I, I don't know if he left that in the card in the desk, you know, Biden could say, hey, these are the conditions. Don't pull out, Joe, if, if these conditions aren't met. But also, it it's so intellectually dishonest because Trump's plan, if I'm remembering correctly, and I think I am, was to pull out by May. So here you are, you know, you missed the mark by several months. You can't say that I'm the president. I'm contractually obligated to do what the last guy did after you've right, undone right. all of their executive orders, after you've added all of the regulations they've destroyed, not all of them, but many of them. It just doesn't cut it to say, oh, oh my hands are tied. And yes. and honestly, yes. as, as a true conservative, I hate that the executive, to include Donald Trump, to include Bush or H.W. Bush or whomever, that the executive branch has come become this wide sweeping pendulum. Uh, that's not the design. Is it in the shot? Yeah, that's not what this document is about. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, is uh, uh, the cameras usually facing that way? <laughs> but that's not the model. That's not how this is supposed to work. Is that the other branches kind of sit around and and point fingers and play a blame game, and the president gets to change every four eight years and drastically change the country. Um, yeah. but I'm going to yeah. be using that house analogy. So thanks. <laughs> no, uh, no, you, you bet, I'll, man. Uh, I, I'll put I, you in the footnote. I love that. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
No, I, I think um, it's something that people need to hear because that's the biggest excuse that's out there right now. And Joe Biden himself used it, right? He said in his speech, well, this he essentially said this is Trump's fault. Well, this is something I inherited. No, 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 man. Number one, it's eight months later. Eight months later for something that should be on your top 10 priority list, which is the safety of first Americans, which there are still thousands of Americans stuck in Afghanistan. And second, our allies, who we do owe something to. Um, our allies who are there, whether it's coalition forces or people like translators who worked alongside military members like you and me. These translators were promised safety. They promised, in some cases, U.S. citizenship for working alongside our forces. They did so faithfully. So the number one priority is American citizens. Should have been something Joe Biden dealt with well within his first months. Um, and then the, net, the second priority is our allies. Uh, in both cases, he's failing. And not only is he failing, but he's lying about failing, right? We could extend a little grace if he came out and said, this is a, a black mark on my administration and, uh, and we're going to try and fix it right now and gave something strong. We're, no Americans left behind. We are not going to break our contracts with our allies. I could at least applaud that. But that's not what he's doing. He's saying lies, that there is no crisis, that, you know, that he said that our embassy wouldn't fall that no one is dying. These are all uh, empirically false. Uh, well, we can we can measure how false they are based on accounts from on the ground, videos, data, um, and and we know what's going on. So I'm sorry that's a rant, but I mean, these are lives. These are lives, it's, and this is the reputation of America right now that, that we're seeing dragged yeah. through the mud. I, I agree. It's a good rant. You know, the president <laughs> has got to be a statesman or a stateswoman or whatever you want to call yes. him. Um, and... Insofar as statecraft goes, this is terrible. Our our allies and our international relationships, you know, do they stand up? Probably not. Uh, and, you know, love them or hate them, I walk around town in a mic hat, so my feelings are... No, <laughs> so but love know. them or hate them, Trump was respected internationally, period. No one can... The only place that Trump wasn't respected was here in his own house uh, by... We'll say half the country. Uh, jury's still out. But the other issue is, you know, Americans, we're, we're so coddled. Um, there's this video on Twitter. I should have pulled it up while we were chatting. Um, but we went to Chick-fil-A to get God's chicken uh, yeah. <laughs> before the show. And, you know, my wife was driving. And so I, I'm scrolling through Twitter trying to – it's weird that social media management's a thing. But anyway, uh, trying to respond back to people and – there's this video at Kandahar. That's not the place. Uh, what is it called? Kabul. <laughs> the, uh, Kabul, yeah. There's there's this video of uh, Afghans at Kabul, and they're, you know, soldiers, probably Marines, but soldiers uh, on top of this embankment, and someone just hands up an infant, just a, a literal baby, yeah. and, you yep. know, they're picking them up. And it's just heartbreaking because those people now, one, yeah, they're coming to America, they're Odds are they're going to have a much better life on that alone. But what that's what the narrative is. But what people aren't saying is those parents know that what waits here in Afghanistan is death and destruction. Death. That's right. And yeah, and yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna be bad for women that believe in education or equality. It's gonna be terrible for Christians that are um, floating around in Afghanistan. You know they're. They're going, we're talking about going door to door for vaccine status. They're going door to door to see who lives and who dies. That's what's going yeah. on in Afghanistan right now. It's been going on for, for days. 
and man, we just live, you know, not necessarily you and I, but Americans, we really do live in a bubble of sunshine and rainbows and, and people don't know unless CNN tells them they don't know anything that goes on in the world. Uh, That's right. So that brings I, us I to mainstream more. media. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> you, you know, um, speaking of, of the media, um, Donald Trump said several years ago, and he was lambasted when he said it, that fake news is the enemy of the American people. He was absolutely right. He was absolutely right. Now, some people, including, uh, I believe, Chris Wallace of, of Fox News, misrepresented him and said, you said the media is the, Amer- the enemy of the American people. And he said, rightfully so. That's not what I said. I said fake news is the enemy of the American people. And, and he couldn't be more accurate. Um, the, the selective reporting, the outright lies, and the bias and spin that, that is given in things like, like what we see happening in Afghanistan and around the country— um, they're, they're absolutely destructive to our population because they make people believe things and they make people passionate and angry and destructive about things that aren't so or that are only 50 percent of the true story. Um, and, and the last point here on, on Afghanistan is, yeah, look, I was eight years old when 9-11 happened, but it, I know it was kind of a crazy moment for me when I, I realized that there are adults now who were not alive when 9-11 happened. Why is that relevant? It's relevant because there are people who grew up in Afghanistan under the relative safety and security of coalition forces who let women go to school, who let women decide their own fate and, and what they wanted to be when they grew up. Um, all of that's being taken away. So if you're an 18-year-old woman in Afghanistan who was born in relative safety, for the first time ever now, you're being told that you are a second-class citizen. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. One of the things that upsets me about the entire narrative in the Middle East, and um, I, I was in, oh, geez, I think I was in seventh grade on 9-11, um, and I, I listened to your your Gage interview, which was awesome, with, um, uh-oh, what's her name? Uh, yeah, with uh, what's her with name? Elizabeth, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Was, uh, yes, great podcast. That's Elizabeth yeah, Johnson. that's a really good interview. It's long, but it's great. It's excellent. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes if I remember. Nice. Joe, okay. remember to put that in the show notes. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were, you were talking about how, you know, you, you didn't become a man that day, but you started to process information a little bit differently. I think a lot of people are in that boat. Yeah. Um, for me, same thing. I started paying attention to who the political leaders were because honestly, I couldn't tell you if Bill Clinton was a Democrat or Republican or George W. Bush at the time. Um, I was born in New York, so I was kind of raised to believe that Bill Clinton was an excellent president. Uh, and I say to conservative friends, he wasn't the worst. You know, he, he wasn't yeah, a terrible yeah. president. Uh, but anyway, let's leave Bill alone. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, let's look Willie, uh, uh, fade into the abyss. Of history, uh. Yeah. That's just a grenade all its own. Um, but I really got interested in other cultures because of nine yeah. 11, because at the time I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't in anything. I, I was, mm. yeah, I was an atheist and seventh grade atheist. Yeah. <laughs> on a great path. <laughs> But by but, default, you hadn't decided, you weren't educated enough to decide what you believe. I think that's yeah. fair. That's entirely fair. But here's the thing. The media then said some stuff that 
was grafted to my worldview. They said basically that Islam was bad, Muslims were bad. There was all this violence against Muslims, especially on Long Island, like in New York. There was tremendous violence against Muslims. Uh, So then I get older, and it wasn't until I was in grad school that I realized that the wool had been pulled over our eyes, that there's, some people call it fundamentalism uh, in Islam, but it's actually this, uh, it's a particular doctrine of Wahhabism. Uh, So there are these Wahhabist teachers in Islam, and dude, man, they are radical, and guess what? Like freaking 20 year old Joe wasn't the person discovering that, you know, CNN could have been telling people about that or the state department or the white house to include the Bush white house. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and instead what, what everyone did was we we pulled a Hillary Clinton, you know, we didn't, we exploited the crisis and we set up this huge DHS apparatus with this huge intelligence and, and, you know, military, we love the military. We both served in the military and, and, and I love the law enforcement community, but there are some really sketch stuff uh, that these apparatuses 100%. do. Uh, and ultimately, a lot of that was probably the reason that I left. You know, just our, our intelligence capability is insane. Okay. Everyone. We're, we're like, talking you know, some Patriot Act stuff here, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect this one, but I love it. Uh, this is a good time. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I I wasn't thinking of going there either, but I'm just, when I learned what fundamentalist Islam was, what the Wahhabist false doctrine is, uh, and it is, you know, read the Quran, don't worship it. I don't believe it's true, Uh, but Wahhabism isn't true. And and this jihad thing is not, (laughs) it's not true. I I don't think uh, Muslims are evil people. Uh, Right. But where's the media? Where are the leaders saying, hey, these people are being manipulated and believing whatever? Instead, we're using them as surrogate armies. So That's you right. can take that wherever you want. We got surrogate armies. We got corrupt media. We got the Patriot Act. Here's, here's where I'll take it, actually. So uh, as far as, as the media having literal blood on their hands, right? And this comes back to what I was saying about them being the enemy of the American people when they're reporting fake news. Um, there is blood on their hands. There are lives lost because they, of they have a responsibility. That's right. That's right. So when they spread that misinformation and then get people riled up um, and cause this violence, it is whether it can be legally prosecuted or not. It is their responsibility, at least in part. Um, and another perfect example of what we see is something that happened largely in the last year, which is the uh, racial tensions that that right rose in our country again. The, the the flames of the racial tension, just like in 2001 with Middle Easterners, um, were fanned by the media. The media wants a race war because it, it sells and it gets clicks and it gives them power and it helps the politicians that they like. And there's so much incentive for them to build these narratives, whether they're true or not, just like what you were saying about Wahhabism. Um, they don't need to give the whole picture because they know that at least a sizable portion of America will not do their own research, will not dig deeper. They'll just listen to what Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper says, and then they'll go and take that ideology to its logical end, which in some places is, in, in some instances, is violence. And it, it's terrible. Um, and as far as the Patriot, Patriot Act goes, yeah, man, I, I think that that, um, that whole era of American history is full of things like the Patriot Act that don't themselves do terribly much, 
But what they have done is they've been referenced and used to violate a lot of rights um, through things that are kind of downstream effects um, that, that reference back to the, the, the 2001 through 2005 Patriot Act kind of infringement of, of, um, of uh, people's rights and people's privacy. Oh, yeah. Every, every time a batch of FISA court documents gets declassified or, you know, if you're, if you're watching, listening, and you don't know, I think the Declassification Act says like 30 years, um, something like that, 30, 31 years, the government drops some real interesting stuff. The media sometimes looks into it, but pull that stuff up. Like, I'll never forget. Oh, man, is it? I say I'll never forget. I think I'm forgetting. I think it's Operation <laughs> Mockingbird. What was the yeah. thing? It's like it was the CIA doing subliminal messaging and the way that they were worded it, some type of influence, mind control type stuff yes. on kids. And the reason that I say on kids is because the message went out through Disney uh, cartoons. It's like, these are cartoons. Yeah. Like what? Uh, well, that's, uh, you know, when, when people talk about mind control and brainwashing um, and subliminal messaging, many times what we picture is like something from the cartoons, from Batman, right? Where, where it's like, Brain control, a bucket comes over your head and a few zappies happen and your eyes change color and, and you're under brain control, right? That's not how it happens, but it's real. It is real. Um, so if you take a two-year-old and you show them the same message every day in their cartoons, in their movies, in their music, in their school, which happens to be their public-funded state school, um, if you decide that all of these organizations, which the state does have its fingers in, are going to have some subliminal messages, you can absolutely brainwash them. And then by the time they grow up, they just believe that the sky isn't blue, it's red, because that's what they've been told again and again and again since the time they were two. Um, so Let's, so it's real, but it's not the bucket overhead, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, we've got a super practical example. Man, this is almost, we should have read a script. This is almost like it's scripted. Super <laughs> practical example. I was I was public schooled, and all of my public school brother and sisters out there. My wife was uh, uh, she's not here, but she's that vicinity <laughs> out there in the yeah. <laughs> my wife and her four siblings were all homeschooled, and me and my five siblings were all public schooled, except for some smattering of private school here and there. But anyway, yeah. I digress. How many people believe this to be a fact? The political party switched. Yeah. And yeah. the reason you the believe that <laughs> is because the media says it, sometimes political leaders say, say it. But I remember the day that I heard that BS, I was in civics, Lansdowne Elementary, Miss Mason, who is an excellent educator. She was my teacher. And um, she was a well-educated black woman that did not believe a lot of the BS in the classroom. And if we pushed back against it as a student, she would say, she, I remember hearing her say several times, you know, Joe or Susie or whomever is exactly right what they said. Well, the test is going to say this, but they're exactly right. And that's all she would say. She couldn't say the curriculum wasn't true or that we were yep. lying. Yep. Um, yep. You know, excellent educator. Miss Mason, shout out to you. <laughs> but hey, we need she more said <laughs> she, she taught the big lie. She's getting ready to tell us, you know, the political party switched because that's what you say in the textbook. And yeah. I remember thinking, 
man, that's weird because I know what I believe. I didn't know what I was politically, but I know what I believe and I know there's an opposition. And I thought how strange it would be for me to just all of a sudden believe in God and believe in this and believe in that. And for that other person to just switch and take on my views, <laughs> what what could happen to cause that? And without knowing about conservatism and liberalism, like think about today, what could happen to make us take up social justice and CRT and all this bull crap and to make AOC buy an AR-15 and invest in gold and all this stuff? That, that obviously <laughs> didn't happen, but it was indoctrinated. That bucket came down, my friend, because everyone believed, nine out of 10 people believed, you well, you know, it, the party right, switched. Exactly. And it came from the experts and it was in a book, right? So of <laughs> yeah, course, experts. Um, and, and can we actually hit two things on, on that? So, so the, the history, I just want to tackle really quickly, the history and the, the myth of, of the, of the party switch. So the history, why it's necessary to lie about this is very simple. It's because the Democrat party has an awful history. It's because the Democrat party founded the KKK. They voted against every civil rights um, uh, piece of policy that ever came through the United States. Um, they, they were the the twelfth, the thirteenth, the fourteenth <laughs> against women having everything, every bad thing that you could do, um, or every bad stance you could have to stand against something good. The Democrat Party did, um, and I could go on, but but I think you get the point. So that's why it's necessary to say, well, yeah, 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 that we had that name. But the party switched. So it's not really us. That was the old Republicans who then switched. That's why it's necessary. Point two, um, just a few things to rattle off about why it's a myth. Uh, number one, as the South got less democratic, um, it became more free. So as the South, as we all know, now is essentially a Republican stronghold. As it became more Republican, it got more free and more tolerant and more ex uh, inclusive to women and minorities. Um, point number two. Um, out of all of the Democrats who opposed this civil rights legislation that I just addressed, um, only two of them became Republicans. The rest all stayed Democrats. That's not a big party switch. That's two people out of a group of dozens who happened to switch. Um, and then lastly, after they say that the switch happened, President Ike Eisenhower, who was a Republican, sent the military down to support minorities when the Democrat-funded KKK was opposing minorities in uh, in schools being being uh, unified. So those are just some points. There's more I, I could go off on, but it's a total myth. It's a total lie, but they have to do it to save face because yeah. their history is atrocious. You know who's the biggest offender is Joe Biden. Like yes. He, yes. you're eulogizing KKK recruiters. Like That's Joe right. Joe Biden's existence as a career politician. And supposedly not a racist. I don't know the man. I I I feel that it's disingenuous to call someone that I haven't met and have a relationship racist. But sure. as you've said, show me some evidence. I've seen some evidence that he just <laughs> might be a racist. Like you look, I, as you said, for those who don't know, if, if anyone wants to Google Robert Bird, uh, KKK Grand Dragon or Grand Wizard or whatever their magic missile thing is, um, but <laughs> KKK leader um, who Joe Biden said was a mentor and who he eulogized. He spoke at, at this man's funeral and uh, and said that he always looked up to him. So that's one example of many. Also, he supported the crime bill, mass incarceration of minorities. I mean, we can go on, but yeah. the evidence is it's there.
Is this true? I heard this. I didn't Google it. Uh, one, I don't use Google, but uh, two, I did. Yeah. Did he? No, I don't think it. Let me Google it now. And by Google, <laughs> I mean DuckDuckGo. Did he uh, co-sponsor the Defense of Marriage Act? Do you happen to know that off the top Ooh, of your head? I don't know. I don't know. He's, um, he voted for it. I do know that. Uh, he he yeah. voted yay as, as a senator. Uh, and by the way, Defense of Marriage Act, means marriage is when they passed it ma- marriage is between man a man and, and a woman yeah and and gay marriage is unlawful Illegal. uh joe right. joe biden voted for that guaranteed mm-hmm. but oh, okay i don't want to suck down the bandwidth because i got like six tabs <laughs> open here but uh we we will duck duck go that later and Fair uh, lord lord knows that it'll be fact checked it, uh, it's one of many bullet points though uh, honestly of, of yeah. his his history of being very um, discriminatory, frankly. So there's that. But 1984 is here. All of the Democrats' history is memory hold. Kamala Harris has locked up how many black people? One, for crimes that they did. But two, you you can, on the one hand, the cops are bad, the cops are racist, the DAs are bad, the DAs are racist, and prison is racist, and crime is racist. She's locked up more people than freaking Matlock, but now now she's she's what is it? What's the opposite of tough on crime? I don't know. Uh, she's a, she's a heroine, right? And she she's she, she's uh, she's the, the savior of of women and minorities now. Even though she locked up people for crimes that they did and crimes that she did, she she says that she smoked weed, and yet she locked up people and extended their sentences for smoking weed. I mean, she's she's a terrible person. Um, she tried to in block fairness. Their, their evidence, you know, from from clearing them. Uh, pretty rough stuff. In fairness, she also said she was smoking weed while listening to Tupac years before the Tupac <laughs> before albums came out. Them. But yeah, you know, she says a lot yeah. of things, doesn't she? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> like right, uh, Kamala Harris. Something that some of the the left wing short memory has forgotten. Is is that um, she said Joe Biden supported racist policy while she was still hoping to be the presidential candidate, and then once he became the presidential candidate, she figured it was okay working with someone who supported racist policy. So I, I mean, they're all over the map. The hypocrisy is there for anyone with their eyes open to, to see it. Um, as as it sounds like you were in school, you didn't know what you believed, but you were thinking things through. You're finding things out, and uh, and that's what I hope podcasts like this reach it, is people who are on that wavelength. Hey, I don't know yet, but I want to see the evidence. I want to hear the arguments. Uh, that Those are the people, to me, who matter, who I, I hope to reach. Man, I'll tell you, one of the most powerful statements I heard, it's a thing that Larry Elder says over and over, and now I feel this too, uh, as a black conservative, as, as a, uh, and not outrageous, what's the word? As an outspoken black conservative, <laughs> he says, I've been called an Oreo, an Uncle Tom, uh, a coconut, and all of these things. He said, but I've never been called wrong on the basis of my argument. Mm. Uh, and I was like, that's pretty powerful. I can that's get down it. with that. I don't know this yep. guy or what he believed, but I want to listen to his arguments because... <laughs> Um, you know, we don't want to be right. We want to be in accordance with whatever's true. So if someone proves yes. me wrong, I change my mind and I put this test to people. Tell me I'm a conservative. And if I meet a liberal and I'll say, tell me one 
leftist talking point that you disagree with. And they're all 10 out of 10. I changed my mind like that on um, on no-knock warrants. As someone who's been in law enforcement, military, yep. you know, I, I was all for no-knock warrants, officer safety, agent safety, whatever. Um, and I, my math changed on security and civil liberties and the, the duty of the citizen to protect the officer or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I changed on the dime. Conservatives hate that. And the, the funny thing is my thousands of law enforcement friends, they get it because we talk about it and they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, hey, I'm not knocking down the door of like a, you know, a <laughs> drug trafficker. But, um, yeah, but we, we don't want to be proven right. We want to be in accordance with whatever's true. With the truth. And, yes, that's right. And progressives say that there is no truth. and. Yeah. And that's the ultimate game. That's the ultimate game that they play, right? Because it used to be, I'm right, no, I'm right, and, and we'd argue about that, or, or at least uh, I'm told that's how it used to be, and that's what history seems to show. Because I wasn't alive when things were that simple. But now it seems to be, conservatives say I'm right, and progressives say nobody's right, but let us lead. No, like there is no truth, there is no absolute, but we're going to lead and we're going to decide how you live within our society. That's what they say. And that's an argument that if someone is extremely steeped in that, you you can't convince them because if they don't believe anything, they don't believe that anything absolute matters, that proof matters, that data matters. Um, you'll hear people you know, uh, on the right giving evidence and data, and then someone on the left will say, I don't, I don't agree with that, or I feel differently. I, I feel like that's not right. And they, that's, a, that's two people talking past each other different priorities, different ways of thinking. Um, and I think it's, it's a real shame. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you, uh, you're talking about, you know, some people say arguing, debating, whatever. Um, but we're interested in having these conversations because we want to influence people. We want to change minds where we can. So many conservatives, are inflamed, you know, the, the left is inflamed, the right's inflamed, diametrically opposed. One, we do need both political parties. The world would not be a better place if the United States was unilaterally conservative. Um, it, it, things don't work that way. We would edge further and further to the right. And uh, where would we end? Somewhere between anarchy and licentiousness, I, I suppose. <laughs> but how do we how do we get people to change I feel like Stephen Crowder now. How do we get people to change their minds? You know, do you have any high percentage moves, tactics, conversations that you have uh, with people to at least get them to go home and think about what you talked about? I do. And and uh, it, this is it's more of a mindset than a tactic per se, but it will it will lead to tactics. <laughs> Um, so, so here's here's basically what what I I've thought this I've thought on this one long and hard because it really matters, um, and it comes down to what you said: the right being inflamed, and and uh, the left is inflamed as well. But the right is my side, right? So, so I want to address them because they're people that I have a closer tie to. So, people being inflamed, and then I was seeing these online videos of you know, conservative owns Ben Shapiro destroys, you know. This type of stuff is very, it's very click worthy, but is it healthy? 
here's the mindset that that I found helps me. Um, I, I do some. I've done some mixed martial arts, some grappling. Uh, I do MMA training now. I, I got back to it after a, a long set of years, and it's this: know when you're sparring and know when you're fighting for championship. Um, and to flesh that out a little bit, when you're sparring, for for anyone who doesn't know it all. Sparring is usually with a partner. It's often with a friend, with someone from your own gym, from your own team, maybe a family member. It's someone who you don't want to hurt, but in that moment, they are your opponent. They're your opponent, but you're sparring. You want to make them better, and they want to make you better. And you want to get better from the engagement, and you want them to get better from the engagement. And you both want to walk away having learned something, but you're not going for for the knockout. You're not going for the tap out. You're sparring. Um, that is what we should usually be doing with the people we work with, with our friends, with our family members who might disagree with us, spar with them. And it's okay to engage and it's okay to have these conversations, even have a little lively debate, but you're sparring. You're not trying to own them. You're not trying to get a gotcha moment. You're not trying to flame them up and then walk away as they break down in tears or notice how irrelevant their own, their, their own existence is, right? That's not what you're trying to do. There are times when you're trying to do that, and that's okay. That's when you're fighting for a championship. That's when, in my opinion, um, I just campaigned last year, and I debated my opponent, Mike Doyle. Um, that was a fight for a championship because it's less about him. He, he's a, a 30-year uh, radical leftist, elitist Democrat. I'm not going to... I'm not going to convince him. I'm not going to win him over to my side. Sparring with him is not going to work. However... Since as a public figure debating another public figure, I was engaging there, my job is to show the audience. This is where the analogy comes back again. This is to show the audience the truth. This is to engage and fight for a championship. And I am trying to get my points to hit hard. And I am trying to show how wrong he is because the audience needs to see him as a representation of his ideas and me as a representation of my side's ideas. That's when we're fighting for a championship, baby, and I'm going hard. But when I'm talking to my coworker and he happens to disagree with me about the border wall, I'm not trying to knock him out. I'm not trying to make him feel foolish, look foolish, look dumb. I'm trying to convince him and keep keep that bridge open, keep that communication and that friendship open. So th- does that make sense? I, I don't know. It, it helps oh, yeah. in, in how I think of things. Um, so know your, know, know your engagement. Know where you are. So that, that's kind of my, my mindset. Yeah, if if you don't do martial arts, at least in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, there's this thing, uh, white belt rage or white belt fury, <laughs> and they they get on the mat and they go hard for like from the first second. There's no whistle, you know. You smack right, hands, right? And yes, political discourse in the U.S. has become too first day white belts and as soon as they smack hands and bump fists they're on 10 (laughs) all the way up and that's so true um all of the engagements are not the super bowl this isn't the championship or oh yeah man that's really good i'm gonna use that too so i've got some i've got some things to steal and i'll footnote you until i forget where i heard it and then it'll just become mine (laughs) no need man (laughs) That's so true. So we're talking with coworkers. We're talking with family. A huge problem is the volume, guys. It, it's the border wall. Yeah, I wish they built the border wall. What? How? And then 
the other person responds back in kind, like, stop yelling yeah. at each other. And I don't know who this guy is, but I'm going to call him out on your, uh, it was the other day I was listening to your, uh, the Gage episode, which one I had not listened to that podcast, but I subscribed on YouTube guys. I don't think they're watching nice, this, but nice. I subscribed on YouTube. Whoever was, whoever was off camera, um, yeah. firing I some shots at his name, but I, I know who he is. Yeah. 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 Now look, one, if we're going to play the game the leftist way, then the political parties change because Trump was a Democrat for all of his professional life that I knew of, big donor to Democratic causes. So did the party switch again? Are we the Democrats now? Because the Republican leader was a Democrat. So yeah, if if we're going to play that game, then the parties have switched yet again. And now all the R's are D's and all the D's are R's because that makes sense. Um, But anyway, whoever was off camera, like they, they came out of the gate pretty strong. I was like, who? And at first I thought it was the, the, the main guy. I was like, his voice sounds there. Like what, what is happening? That's a bad tactic. I'll say say this. I I completely agree. I was, I was a bit taken aback because um, he was a really nice guy. And again, I won't say his name or anything that he he does. He does great work um, in producing their, their show. And I love the fact that they're able to work together, even though people on that team have disagreements between them. Um, But there was actually even some that was cut out where, where he got extremely impassioned about things. And um, and it was kind of crazy. And it was it was kind of, you, you know, his points uh, I was I was receptive to engage with. But when when you're spitting them like that, like fire at someone that that makes even the, if the substance of your points is good, it makes that go away. Because then the person's like, what are we doing here? Is this just going to be a screaming match or are you going to tell a, a yo mama joke right after this? Or yeah. like, where are we going with this? Right. Um, yeah. And. And so that is a good example. It's interesting that you mentioned that. But yeah, yeah, point taken, and I agree. I'll I'll say in his defense, though, what I liked about the arguments that I heard him raise is a lot of them were fact, fact-based, fact-informed. Yeah. He didn't say Trump is a racist or a Nazi. Mm-hmm. He didn't say mm-hmm. Walls are racist or right. a- any of the normal dogma. He <laughs> He was definitely more intelligent about his beliefs uh, but he was very he was impassioned. Uh, yeah. And a, a lot of listeners would have turned off to just the passion alone. I did notice that, hey, at least he knows what he's talking about. He knew some policies. He knew the implications. And he could think, yeah. you know, past the first two inches of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've, I've been guilty of it, too. I intellectually, in my teens and early 20s, I was a bully. Um, I called mm-hmm. people stupid on a regular basis. And friends, that is not a way to win friends and influence people. Um, I used to have a line and someone would be sharing something with me and I would say only an idiot would believe that. <laughs> and, and, and now I'm like, I'm like a recovered addict, you know, there, there's the steps you have to go through and I, ha- I have to apologize to a lot of people. Um, yeah. We got to get rid of the pejoratives, you know? Right, uh, hey. Right. The, the homonyms, the pejoratives. Man, they have yeah. no place. No place in in uh, inspiring matches, right? And yeah. no place in in championship matches either, because they're empty. Calling someone uh, a dummy or an idiot or or a racist or excess or sexist. Um, don't call me those things. Show me how I am those things. 
if, if, for instance, you and I just talked about Joe Biden, he supported mass incarceration of minorities. <laughs> and therefore, I think that he might have some racial tendencies that are not good. Um, that's not an ad hominem. That, that's a that's a based argument that you can engage with. But just saying, oh, that guy's a flaming racist and I hate him. OK, I, I, what, what does that add? That, that, that adds nothing to the discourse, to my opinion, to your opinion. It's empty. It's empty passion, emotion, and we should be better than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I agree with what you said. You know, show me some evidence, and I'll consider anything. Um, I have a good friend uh, who I wouldn't consider him a mentor, but close. close. He watches this. You're, you're close to being a mentor. He's a flat earther. I'm not. That's Okay. It's fine. You know, we, 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 we've lived past it. Uh, I don't yep. call him stupid or yell at him. He doesn't call me dense or stubborn or whatever. <laughs> uh, and because of it, relationship building is everything. Because of it, we have the best conversations about that and about other stuff. Um, and he, he's a conservative. He doesn't own any firearms. He doesn't know how he feels about sanctity of life and taking a life for self-defense. He talks to me about it because he's mm-hmm. like, because Joe spoke to me with care and authenticity about this flat earth thing, because he was really hesitant to bring it to me. We'd been friends for maybe five years at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what you said, doing, doing the sparring really gets you a lot of relationship building. It, it gains you a lot of brownie points with people who think the same as you and people on the other side. Um, so man, I'm going to steal that. I hope you all steal that too, because we need to do it. Don't call people idiots, uh, or say only an idiot would believe that because I was doing a non-denial denial type thing. I was calling them an idiot without calling them an idiot. Uh, so (laughs) if you want to, if you want to think that, then you would be an idiot, but I'm not going to call you an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so we're we're coming to the end here um Man, these, and this goes by so quickly oh. it, it really does um so one of the things is we got to talk book recommendations so the bible's out all christians would say the bible all muslims would say the quran <laughs> you know all mormons would say the book of mormon but uh, you could snap your fingers and get everyone on earth to read and truly understand one book. Uh, what would you wow. pick and why? Wow. That is, um, that is a, a really good one. Um, I think Boondock Saints. I'm going to go with either um, The Storm Before the Calm or um, uh, this, this one's maybe cheating a little bit. A hundred Bible verses that I both. Oops. Wait. Sorry. I just got a, a, a low battery message. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Awesome. A uh, hundred Bible verses that built America, um, and, and it, it speaks about some of the the, the beliefs behind our, our nation's founding. So those are two that that I would go with off the top of my head. Um, but there are a lot of really good ones out there. Hey, that that one's in. You know, like. Uh... Uh, religious aligned adjacent books up my utmost first uh, yeah, highest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those those are in. That's those a great are in. book. Yeah, utmost first highest. It's awesome. I read that in high school. It's been a while. Uh so I don't want your camera to die before this. Um so we showed let me let me nice. 
All right. So um, this is um, Joe. I, I'm. I think we're screen sharing. I can't hear you, but I do see. This is my website. If anyone wants to get in touch with me, loopnegron.com. Um, all of my social media is linked there. So if you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see that uh, all of my socials are there. Yeah, there we go. Nice. He's going down. Uh, keep going. It's kind of a long homepage. Uh, and down, there you go. There they are, right? So you've got Gab, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, where I'm most, most active, um, and Twitter and all the other good stuff. And then uh, the other website that uh, I believe Joe has up in the next app. There we go. So there, and then Joe, if you click on um, Amasa Action, uh, this is something that I started after my campaign. So Amasa PAC is a political action committee where I endorse and, and help other candidates who I agree with. Amasa Action is a uh, 501c4 um, where I, I seek to unify um, young and and uh, impassioned in a good way uh, Americans who who believe what I believe about about Americanism and, and the greatness of our country and the flaws of our country. And um, one of the ways that I do that here is the Anti-Academic Racism Scholarship, which you see right there in the middle of this, this screen. Um, the Anti-Academic Racism Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is predicated solely on merit, on the merit of the, the applicant. Uh, it takes uh, gender, sex, and race entirely out of it. So I don't want to. I don't want to know your name. Uh, we, we don't want to know your race. We don't want to know um, uh, how you identify sexually. We believe that uh, merit-based placement is what should what should be used for schools and for uh, for jobs. And one example I'll give real quick about the, this problem is we see that some Ivy Leagues are in legal battles where they are discriminating against Asian Americans because they typically test better academically than basically every other ethnic group. So Asian Americans are being punished for their success and for their hard work. I think that's terrible. I don't think that uh, race should be on an application at all. I think it should be solely based on merit. That's what this scholarship is all about. And this is actually the first time that I'm, I'm talking about it publicly and uh, and getting it out there. I'm going to be launching it uh, kind of with a, with a big launch uh, in about a week here. But you guys get the first look at it, and you can see that at joinamasa.com, J-O-I-N-A-M-A-S-A.com. Awesome. Uh, so both of these sites are going to be linked, uh, Luke's site and Amasa Action. Oh, am I saying that right? Yes, Amasa Action. Right. I can yeah. read. Yes. And I can use the internet. Haha, <laughs> take that, Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Man, thanks so much for joining. Uh, I did not uh, collect any questions. Uh, usually ah. I get some questions from the crowd, but also I get questions from locals. Guys, if you don't know about locals, it's the internet done right. I'm hoping that it'll put, you know, frankly, YouTube, but also Twitter and all these other social media sites out of business. It's as much for the content creator as the content consumer, where you get to make uh, communities where the rules are follow the laws of the United States and the municipality thereof, wherever you live, and you're good to go. Other than that, there's nobody telling you what to do. You can do what you want. Um, actually, that's not true. I don't think they allow pornography, which is fine because most of it is human trafficking. Uh, but that's a whole other episode. Yes, <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you've stuck with us this far, then one, you should have liked and subscribed to the show already, but YouTube likes it when we say smash that like button. So <laughs> smash that like button and it makes 
some of my friends laugh hearing me say that. It's still, it's weird for me to say the Joe Mobley show. Uh, <laughs> but it's not weird for me to ask for your money. So this show is sponsored by the Joe Mobley Show shop where you can get all of the uncloseted conservative gear that you need. Well, I, you know, I wish the Cuomo thing lasted longer. I felt like I would have <laughs> sold more shirts. Uh, but you can get Cuomo's brilliant defense strategy shirt here. We've got our Joe Biden review, of course. Now, I know what you're thinking, guys. Zero stars. It actually made it hard to tell if it was a five-star rating. So you really do have to give them at least one. Uh, you can get your uncloseted conservative sweatshirts, T-shirts, and what have you. I also just released, um, as of yesterday, uh, an MLK line of things because the left is memory holding Martin Luther King um, Jr. And, you know, one of the ways that they're doing it is they're saying that they're saying that content of character and colorblind thinking is actually white supremacist. <laughs> that that's what he sacrificed his life for. That's that's the whole game here. So we we've got you know King versus Karl Marx here. Um, we've also got oh yeah, this is it. The content of character uh, versus all whites are racist. This is you know Kendi and the gang. They don't they don't care about individuals at all. They're just sorry racists or sorry whites. You're you're just racist. It is what it is. Anyway. You can get that gear at thejoemobleyshow.com slash shop. Dude, I don't have a donate button. I need to get one of those. Some people don't oh, want they're, a thing. They they're just they're wanna... glorious. You put them there and all the money appears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I need to do that. So take a, take a page out of your site. Luke, thanks for joining us. I know you're a busy dude. Uh, you've got some, you got some really good interviews out there. I listened to that one that you did with that pastor too. Um, and... Uh, can't Bishop remember name. He's, he's a good man. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many good interviews. So I was thinking, I was like, oh man, we just like, we have an hour. I don't know what I want to get into. Um, I knew we had to get into Afghanistan just a little bit. And, yes. and yeah. Or, and you were, you were talking about Amy Schaefer actually. Yes. Uh, yeah. She's awesome too. Fantastic. Man, I, these hours fly by. I know. I, they do. So Thank you. Awesome. Well, I look forward to having you on again and, you know, you should start a podcast because you've got the, uh, you know, you've, you've got the facts mixed in with some lightheartedness and humor. So, uh, we need, we need more of you doing podcasts. So you heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Thank you, brother. This, this has been awesome. And, uh, and if I ever get enough uh, diligence and dedication to do a weekly podcast. Maybe I'll follow in your footsteps here. Awesome. Well, I look forward to it. Thanks, brother. I'll see you, man. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.